What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. We are now up to three shows a week. Gentlemen, we are here. Week one of the NFL preseason is ready to roll. How are we feeling today? I'm feeling good. Feeling real good. We got preseason football going tonight. We're getting closer. I, You know, my... My buddy's back home starting to schedule the draft, and that's always like a three-week process to try to figure out when, <laughs> you know, 12 guys in their 30s have time to do this. But, um, yeah, so that, that process is there. And once we, once we get a date, then all systems go. I'm ready for the season. I'm just really excited to get a look at like game action for these rookies. I've gotten – I've scoured the internet, the interwebs, looking for little camp clips – for some of these rookies, now it's, we get to see a lot of them in game action, you know, over the next couple of days. I, I'm just excited. We're going to get our first taste of, of real NFL football, and then we're going to lose interest after about, you know, two or three drives. Uh, Sapi, you are not joking with the, like, the process that is trying to schedule a draft Ooh, time. Or It's not even, like, for me, it's not even in person. Like, it's a it's an online draft and still trying to get everyone's schedules organized and coordinate you literally just have to be like okay we're doing the draft this day everyone make it work that is the only way to make that and not a three-week process but gentlemen we are ready to dive into some running back and tight end breakout candidates here for fantasy football in 2023 before we get into that conversation though i want to play a little bit a little bit of a game here would you rather so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at three players that are next to one another in adp i'm going to get your thoughts on who you would rather draft this season so let's go would you rather draft Najee harris travis Etienne, or joe mixon in your fantasy drafts this year those are rb13 rb14 and rb15 right now in underdog fantasies adp that's Najee, travis Etienne, and joe mixon kyle sapi i'll go to you first to me this is joe mixon and i, I know the adp is kind of coming around on him a little bit we talked about him about a month ago and it was way too low and now it's still just moderately too low He's the guy I trust most when it comes to the offensive structure around him here. I know I love Jacksonville, but, you know, if Trevor Lawrence is going to have the season I think he's going to have, ETN can only do so much. And Najee Harris, obviously, we all think the Steelers are taking a step forward, but nobody's putting him in that class. And I think he's got the least amount of competition behind him. I know Chase Brown's there, but that's not the same threat as a Jalen Warren or Tank Bigsby for ETN. So I think this is pretty clear cut. I get why they're all in the same tier. I just think week to week, the floor for Joe Mixon is it's much higher than these guys. Derek, what about you? Yeah, I feel myself arguing with myself while I'm trying to decipher through this question because you can make a case for or against a lot of these players, right? So I feel like the volume is probably going to be the best, and I know that Jalen Warren had his moments last year. Traditionally, though, Mike Tomlin does like to commit to one feature running back. Najee Harris feels like the one that's probably going to get the most volume. ETN with the pass-catching upside, I I got to think in the PPR type, like upside, do I think ETN has the best chance to possibly sneak into the top five if this offense really takes a significant jump? Yeah. I do. And I, and I kind of consider Tank Bigsby and Chase Brown, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say they're similar players, but they're similar unknowns of the National Football League with athletic profiles that I really like. So it just kind of comes down to which player you believe a little bit more in. And I, I'm going to go ahead and, bank on the fact that I do think that Travis Etienne is a really good football player and I I would take him out of this tier. I think it depends on which way you want to go. Do you want to go with a little bit more of the stability in the floor? Then you're looking at neither Najee Harris and Joe Mixon, or if you want that upside, Mm -hmm. then you're going to go with Travis Etienne there. Let's move into another one here. Would you rather draft, let's go over to the wide receiver position. Would you rather draft Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen, 
or Jerry Judy in your fantasy drafts this year. Those are wide receiver 18, 19, and 20 in underdog ADP. Gentlemen, I think I already know the answer to both of your, uh, or the answers to this question for both of you, but I'll throw it to you anyway. Kyle Sapi. Yeah, I think I know where uh, you guys are leaning here. We work for freaking the Jerry Judy football network over uh, at PFN these days, but I think a lot of the teams, Debo Samuel, like people trust the talent. I know we had Field on the other day, and he's saying he's just a a pure talent play. And like I get all of that, but the volume just it, the dollars don't make sense to me. I don't get how he's gonna get there on a consistent basis. Like I get the running game, I get the consistency, I I get it. I just don't trust the volume of that offense enough. It's Keenan Allen for me. He's on a career pace for catches per game last season. He's getting up there in age. I get it, but he's one of those guys. I'll you know, I'll fear the decline when I see it. I'm going to trust this offense. We just talked about Joe Mixon being on an offense we trust. Keenan Allen checks that box. He's got a role that I think safe. I think Quentin Johnston takes maybe more off the plate of Mike Williams than he does Keenan Allen. You're talking six to seven catches a week, 75 yards, a touchdown every other week. To me, that's the stability I want in the middle rounds here at receiver. I'm more than comfortable with Keenan Allen as my wide receiver two and the top of these three. I think what I just uh, gathered from there is that Kyle Safi doesn't trust the Denver Broncos offense, which I think is just no, absolutely no, crazy. Go figure. Right? <laughs> go, go figure. figure. Derek Tate, which uh, wide receiver are you drafting this year? So I'm with you on Debo Samuel being a bit too pricey, a bit too mm-hmm. boomer bust at his current ADP. Sure, is it in the range of outcomes for Samuel to finish inside the top five? We've seen it him do it. Is, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, it is. But again, you're, you're going to have to have that hyper-efficiency type you know, production from Debo Samuel in an offense that I like, but there's three or four other very gifted league winning or right, top five options at their respective positions sure. on the same very options or very offense. It is Jerry Judy for me. And, and look, I like Keenan Allen. I do have some questions though, how Keenan Allen is going to fit into an offense that wants to vertically push the football yeah, down the field. Kellen Moore, right. And he likes to use a lot of 11 personnel, which means you're still going to see a lot of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. But I think that we're going to see a, a, a bigger role for Quentin Johnston than we think coming out of the gates. And, and ultimately, Justin Herbert is one of the best deep ball throwers in the National Football League. Allen's still going to have a role. But for me, Jerry Judy has a similar-ish type floor and the upside if Sean Payton decides to feature him in this offense, that basically means we're getting 120 plus total targets, which he's never seen in his entire NFL career. And we're also looking somewhere between 80, 90 receptions, 1100 yards and, you know, touchdowns ranging somewhere from like four to eight. And I think for, for me, I think that that jump is very possible for Jerry Judy because Sean Payton, his offensive production resume it speaks for itself in the national football league i think he has a profoundly positive impact on this offense this is wild what you just spit out there for jerry judy projections i ran through my projections for denver uh 121 targets for Jerry Judy, 81 receptions, 1,056 yards, and six touchdowns. Like, you literally just read through my entire projections there. That was impressive, Derek Tate. Really? That was was really impressive. All right, gentlemen, let's get into some conversations here about these running back and tight end breakout candidates. If you, really quick though, if you are listening to this podcast and you want to ask us some fantasy football questions, it is super easy to do so over in the PFN Fantasy Discord. The link for that is right here in your show description. 
make sure to click into there and join the conversation 1400 people in there and the conversations are happening every single we're going to be doing amas we're going to be doing discord right. stages in the season this is where we're going to be hanging out so if you want to ask us a question and get feedback on your teams this year ask us a question as you're in your fantasy football draft this is the place to do it the pfn fantasy discord additionally if you are listening to this podcast please take 30 seconds out of your day and rate and review the podcast wherever you are listening it helps out in a massive massive way yeah the five star is a key part there five star rating if you are enjoying the podcast helps out in a massive massive way we appreciate each and every one that comes in all right i've teased it a couple times let's get into the conversation running back breakout candidates let's start the conversation here gentlemen i'm going to go to kyle soppy first running back breakout candidate and a breakout candidate we talked about this with wide receivers and tight ends is simply a player that we expect to take another step forward in their career adp kind of goes out of the window out of the conversation so Kyle Zappi, running back breakout candidate number one. What do you got? I'm going to sound like a broken record here with targeting guys on good offenses, but to me, it, it really doesn't need to be complicated. You want team scoring points. The Kansas City Chiefs do that at a high level. I know that's breaking news here on the PFN podcast. We haven't heard that anywhere. And they've got Isaiah Pacheco. I think they're going to commit to him on the ground. Jarek McKinnon's a nice accent piece for what he does, but he's not taking food off Pacheco's plate when it comes to the two down between the tackles, running the ball role and Clyde Edwards like I just talked about McKinnon as a situational guy I think CEH right now is a non-situational guy is like he, there is no situation in which he exists so Pacheco 4.9 yards per carry as a rookie seventh round pick last season the Chiefs average almost four red zone trips per game under the or during the Mahomes era if you're around Pater that often a guy like Pacheco is going to punch the ball in I think he's got 10 touchdown upside he could be a top 20 back and I don't think that's a stretch we saw him catch five balls in the AFC Championship game. If you start adding that to his profile, like to the moon, but I think running back two is is very achievable for him this year. Yeah, that was going to be the question that I followed up with was just the receiving upside for Isaiah Pacheco, right? Only 14 targets last year. You saw Jarek yeah. McKinnon, nine receiving touchdowns last season, really take over that role in this offense. And like you alluded to, McKinnon is back this year. So uh, with Pacheco, do you believe that he sort of has a cap to his ceiling, right? He has this limit because of that receiving work. Or do you think that we saw so many good things from him last year that he could potentially even take that work away from Jarek McKinnon this season? I think he could take some of it. Like, I mean, you mentioned all the production for McKinnon through the air. If 10% or 15% of that goes to Pacheco, you're not talking a big season, but it's something. Like, we're not talking peak Derrick Henry where it's like, oh, he had two targets in September. Like, I, <laughs> right. I don't think it's going to be quite that. If he can get between two and a half, three targets a game, like, that's plenty. This offense is great. He's going to be in a position to, su to succeed. And if those, like, those Patrick Mahomes targets are just built different. Like, I'll take two and a half targets from him over three, four from many other quarterbacks. And they still don't have a wide receiver one in town that I trust. I think Pacheco on the field with regularity and an offense that I more than trust. Isaiah Pacheco, RB28 off the board right now in underdog Jeez. ADP. So you can definitely get him as an RB3 on your roster. Does have some upside here for 2023. Derek Tate, your first running back breakout candidate. What do we got? Yeah, let me go ahead and tell you a story. Once upon a time in fantasy breakout land, we've heard the name DeAndre Swift. Well, he's no <laughs> longer a Detroit Lion. And look, where he's being drafted right now is actually below the floor of any finish he's ever had as a PPR back. Last year, he finished as the running back 21 in an offense that looked like they hated him. He completely fell out of favor. They gave all the, in, you know, valuable goal line touches to Jamal Williams, who scored 17 rushing touchdowns, as we all know. 
the fact that Jamal Williams saw over 260 carries and DeAndre Swift saw a career low 99 carries, fewer than 100, and he still finished as a running back too. Now you're going to a place where Miles Sanders, who saw over 260 total touches in this very offense and finishes the RB15 in PPR formats, Look, DeAndre Swift is, I believe, the most talented back in this backfield and has a, a pass-catching floor that Miles Sanders has never really shown us. He's caught 46 more, 46 or more passes in each and every one of his NFL seasons. So if Swift can get anywhere near that proven PPR catch like floor that he has, but also see somewhere between, you know, 150 to north of 200 carries. Not only can he finish inside the top 12, he has league-winning upside if he sees the type of volume that Miles Sanders saw just last year. Sanders saw 132 more total touches in an offense that has similar efficiency and scoring potential that he did in Detroit. I don't, to me, Rashad Penny, yeah, he's a nice player, but he can't stay healthy. I know that's a knock on Swift too, but Swift has been far more available and on the field than Penny has during the last three years. So for me, DeAndre Swift has the potential to really break out this year in an offense that is just as explosive and has as high a ceiling as any other team in the National Football League, similar to the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you need a penny injury, do you think? Or you think they can kind of coexist and that you're going to allot, say, 30 points in this backfield and they can divvy it up however they want? Or do you are you banking on, say, eight missed games from Penny or, you know, whatever it is to get Swift to this top fringe RB1 value that you're speaking of? Well, I mean, he hasn't played more than 11 games in a season yeah. over the last three years. And he hasn't played more than six games or more than five games, excuse me, in two out of the last three years. So I, I do think... Projecting him to miss some, some time is certainly within the range of outcomes. I don't want to ever wish injuries, but, you know, the, the track record is the track record. So, yeah, I, I do think that Penny's going to miss some time at some point this season by getting nicked up like he has throughout most of his career. But I, I'm not – that's not what has me projecting DeAndre Swift to take the lead in this backfield. I genuinely believe he is the best running back in this backfield. Uh, and that's saying a lot because I really think very highly of Rashad Penny – I just think DeAndre Swift gives you so much more versatility in the passing game, which Jalen Hurts didn't really target running backs very often in the passing game. I think that changes significantly this year with DeAndre Swift in town. Well, Adam Kaplan, uh, our NFL insider here at Pro Football Network, just recently did a scouting notebook or a notebook where he talked about how Philadelphia plans to unlock DeAndre Swift as a member of the passing game. They plan to utilize him heavily as a member of the passing game here this year, utilizing him and moving him all around the formation. So I think you get that solid PPR floor right out of the gate. And then if you do have an injury to Rashad Penny, which again, we don't wish that we don't want that to happen because Rashad Penny, when he's playing, he's special. Like as a, he's a special runner. And what we've seen is just absolutely ridiculous from him in the past. But at this point, I mean, three games played for Rashad Penny in 2020, 10 games played, then five games played. And DeAndre Swift over that same time frame, 13 games played, 13 games played, 14 games played. So the durability conversation, I think goes more in the favor of DeAndre Swift. I think that this is a really, really solid option here. Really, really solid name to bring forward because someone that once he got traded, you were just kind of like, oh, I just really don't think that I want DeAndre Swift here in Philadelphia. And the more that you sit down and look at it, yeah, he's a value right now. It is ADP right now of RB24 off the board in underdog. Let's turn it back over to Kyle Sapi, your second running back breakout candidate. 
Yeah, I'm going to go to RB24 in my ranks, and that's James Cook. And, okay, I promise this will be the last time I go with, hey, he plays for an explosive offense. He's going to score a bunch. I'll get to a bad offensive guy with our third choice here. But James Cook, yes, the Bills are going to score plenty. He's the feature back with Devin Singletary now in Houston. I'm not worried about Damian Harris or Latavius Murray taking any carries away from him between the 20s. I get the concerns are in the red zone. And Damian Harris has shown the ability to score and score in bunches. But does that really matter? Like, Buffalo's fourth in red zone pass rate last year. The fullback plays quarterback, so they're going to be dropping back to pass plenty. And that's where I think James Cook can separate himself from other running backs in this tier. Over 11 yards per catch during his time at Georgia. I think he's going to have enough volume in the pass game with the feature role. Maybe not the exclusive role in the run game, but the feature role. And I think that's plenty for an RB2, or at least a flirt with RB2 status, a price you're not being asked to pay right now. Okay, I have some thoughts here on James Cook. I cannot get on board. Derek Tate, what are your thoughts on James Cook this year? No, I just, I, he went back to his days at Georgia. I, I I don't know what other, you know, arrows in the quiver Soppy has. I didn't know if he was going to go back to James James Cook's high school production or something like that. I just never his know brother. what I'm going to get from Soppy, right? Yeah, his <laughs> No, I, I mean, it's it's great information. It's a high-powered high offense that you expect to finish in the top five in total scoring. Certainly, James Cook is somebody who is the lead back in this backfield. Do you do you get a little nervous, though? The fact that we kind of saw what I thought was a pretty good back in Devin Singletary never really ever truly live up to his fantasy ceiling, I suppose, because there was just so much more, so much else going on in that backfield. He was involved as a pass catcher, and we expect James Cook to take a step forward, but is it going to be enough to really vault him, you know, maybe into the top, you know, 15, top 20 or something of that nature? Yeah, no, of course, that's that's naturally a concern. Singletary was very efficient during his time in Buffalo, so I think efficiency can help mitigate the volume concerns to a degree, and they're going to be in scoring position. I just, he's got the potential to take over a role that I think nobody else in this general range has. Like, I'm not promoting, like, you went top 12 upside for DeAndre Swift. I'm not going to say James Cook has that because he doesn't. He's not going to get 300 touches. Like, that's just not in his profile but if he can get 15 touches a week in this offense with the pass catching upside that he provides that this offense is going to, you know, encourage, especially when in close, I think he can get, I think he can flirt with a thousand yards and score six to seven to eight times. And that's going to be plenty for where I'm being asked to draft him. My concern with James Cook really comes down to Damian Harris. Um, yeah. And I think that like Damian Harris last year, I think that fantasy managers have just completely written him off. Like they are just so completely done with Damian Harris because of last year, like he was supposed to be this thing alongside Ramondre Stevenson. And then Damian Harris got banged up, missed a ton of time last year. And Ramondre Stevenson completely took over the backfield and just, he performed really well. Like, yeah, you're going to give that opportunity to Ramondre based on how he did. Sure. But I think that we need to remember Damian Harris scored 15 rushing touchdowns just two seasons ago. Like this Here's is a Jamal guy. Williams this is a, yeah, yeah, right. This is a guy that can still that can punch the ball in from at the goal line and can still be a very fantasy relevant running back when he's given the opportunity. So I think that James Cook, his role at his size, his size is one of the big things that concerns me. Just 199 pounds. Like this is a guy who's not built to handle 200 plus carries on the ground. He's got to make it up for with insane efficiency, like you mentioned, which last year, 89 rush attempts, 5.7 yards per carry. Like he can absolutely do it. But then you got to be a absolute factor in the receiving game. And with Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis is dominating training camp. You Dalton love Kinkai. you some I Gabe. I love me some you Gabe Davis, man. That. I'm all in. I'm all in again. Uh, 
fool me once, fool me twice, strike three. Uh, then with Dalton Kincaid coming into the offense, like I think just where where does he fall in that target share pecking order? That's really the concern. Now I get the other side of that argument. It's like you're saying, he's not going to be a guy that you drafted RB30 off the board, which is where he's going. And he's going to be a top five running back. Like he can be right. still a solid and stable running back two for you in PPR formats. I can get on board there, but anything where people are like the hype, I think is getting out of control for James Cook. And so I want to just push back on that just a little bit there. Uh, Derek running back to breakout candidate. What you got? So we actually just spent a lot of time talking about the Philadelphia backfield and the Philadelphia backfield last year featured Miles Sanders, who finished as the RB15 that was already mentioned. So I'm not trying to regurgitate the same exact stats. The reason why I'm talking about Miles Sanders is because he's my second breakout candidate. So this backfield could have just moved forward with Chuba Hubbard if they wanted to. They didn't. They went out and intentionally gave Miles Sanders a payday in a day and age where it's very tough for a free agent running back to actually ink a lucrative contract. I believe in this offense, they are going to feature Miles Sanders. Not only is do I think he's a pretty good bet to see north of 225 carries, but once upon a time, his rookie season, he caught 50 passes, right? So he has the ability to be able to produce as a pass catcher, and I don't see anybody else on this depth chart that's going to really get Miles Sanders off the football field very often. So for me, Miles Sanders in an offense – I believe in Bryce Young. I understand from a fantasy perspective, Anthony Richardson is the guy that everybody's talking about heading into their rookie season. And But Bryce Young was the number one overall pick in this NFL draft for a reason. He's been drawing rave reviews from head coach Frank Reich. And to be honest with you, when you look at his tape, he looks like the most NFL-ready quarterback in this draft class. I understand that the scoring potential probably isn't going to be in the in the yeah. top 10 for this offense. So opportunities are going to be a little bit trickier to come by. I don't know if he scores 11 touchdowns again this season, but do I think he can finish somewhere between 7, seven to 12? That's within the realm of of range of outcomes for me for Miles Sanders just because I don't see the the competition in the backfield and even with that uptick in targets and a career high 259 last year for Miles Sanders the efficiency didn't fall off I know he was playing behind a great offensive line this is a pretty good unit in Carolina too so I'm 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 pretty high on Miles Sanders heading into the season Sanders proved that in, like you give him the opportunity that would have been the thing for years in Philadelphia it was just that he had not been given that opportunity and then last year it finally happened it, he was finally given the opportunity and he proved that he can handle it now i think the the big concern for me and you mentioned it is just the overall state of the offense like just the oh, overall yeah. state of the offense to get miles sanders into the top 15 conversation but the talent levels there the opportunity i mean it's chuba hubbard it's raheem blackshire it's spencer brown behind him on the depth chart like miles sanders is going to be the main option in this backfield kyle sapi tell me how you really feel with that expression yeah, there. so yeah, no that's gross that's <laughs> gross I, the only thing that could keep miles sanders off the field is that offense, like like you said. But six of the top 11 running backs last year played on losing teams. So I think it's a little overstated how bad an offense needs to be to truly tank their lead feature running back, which I think Sanders will be. I'm not as high on him as you are, but I'm not avoiding him by any means. Guys, you've heard me talk a lot about underdog fantasy already here throughout these podcast episodes and as we move throughout the offseason, but I need to tell you about them because with underdog fantasy, I get to feel the rush of adding a player to my team as many times as I want throughout the offseason without having to worry about that team throughout the year. With underdog's best ball drafts, you simply draft a team and then let the season play out. 
No waivers, no trades, no getting your lineup decisions wrong. Sign up now at underdogfantasy.com with the code PFN, and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash. When you make your first deposit of $10 or more, you deposit $100, you get $100 free. You can also click the link in your description to sign up and take advantage of this awesome offer. Head over to Underdog Fantasy and crank out some best ball drafts today. All right, let's move into our final running back breakout candidate here. Kyle Soppy, I'll go throw it to you. Yeah, and this has been the running back that of the three I've mentioned. I have the most exposure to, so I'm I'm in. Khalil Herbert, terrible offense. I get it. He's a, he's a you know a little different than uh than my brand here with James Cook and Pacheco. But I mean, look at this offense. It's Justin Fields, and then they want to build everything around him. They want to build from the inside out, and I get that. Montgomery and Herbert were both top ten running backs last season on a points per rush basis, and I don't think that's a mistake. What Justin Fields offers and how he forces defenses to manipulate what they're going to do what they have to think about is just second to none just ask him he'll tell you we saw him on that podcast he thinks he's one of the best of all time he's unique there's no two ways about that the addition of dj moore is going to open up things downfield a little bit i think that only opens up more running lanes more of a role and khalil herbert is that dude like he's an explosive guy i don't want to say this because i love tony pollard but i'm going to say it anyway his production in his first two seasons looks an awfully lot like what Pollard did through years two and three. Before Pollard had the big breakout season, he was always playing behind a guy, playing behind a veteran, just like Herbert was, but he's not anymore. David Montgomery's out of town. I, I just love the boom play potential here. And I, I, before you say Deontay Foreman's in town, Sure, he is. Okay, he's on this roster. I'm not worried about it. He is 9%. physically in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's part. He could go join those guys behind Miles Sanders in that loaded backfield that you're dealing with there. I'm not worried about Foreman taking anything off of Herbert's plate. Herbert, over 13% of his carries during his career have gained over 10 yards, and the Bears have seen every second of it. Like that's just to me. He's screaming breakout. He's screaming run away with this backfield and hide in an offense I don't necessarily trust, but you hardly have to pay anything for him. He's going to be your third, maybe fourth running back? Like, come on. Khalil Herbert right now definitely flying under the radar. RB39 yeah. off the board. Come on. Underdog fantasy ADP. Derek Tate, I feel like you're over there biting your tongue. What do you got to say about Khalil <laughs> Herbert? Oh, I'm, I'm waiting to jump into the microphone right now jump through your television screen I'm, I'm feeling it right now so you're you're mentioning and, and everything you brought up about Khalil Herbert the only thing I kind of disagree with is the Tony Pollard comparison through the first two years last year Khalil Herbert caught a total of nine passes nine <laughs> nine times I used the rushing numbers for a reason <laughs> I know right I, and I totally understand I mean this offense didn't throw the ball very much last year but I expect that to change hmm? they really improved I mean, this team already you already mentioned finished first in the league in rushing yards last year. And they added Nate Davis on that offensive line. Yeah. They drafted Darnell Wright. The thing that you're overlooking when it comes to Khalil Herbert, he is not a very good pass protector. And you mentioned Dante Foreman, but you left off a guy that they drafted in the fourth round out of the University of Texas. Roshan Johnson. I just love saying his name. Roshan Johnson. Say it with me. No, I'm kidding. But so this young man, if he was not playing behind one of the best running back prospects we have seen in 20 years in Bijan Robinson, I promise you he would have been a day two selection, maybe depending on the right place, 
maybe snuck into the very end of the first round. That's how high I am. And one of the reasons why I'm so high on him is you saw the efficiency whenever he did get an opportunity to actually see some playing time and touch the ball. He excelled. He actually averaged more yards after contact per attempt than Bijan Robinson, who was one of the best yards after contact running backs I've ever scouted. So not only can he do it as a runner, he's got the size, he's got the build, he runs angry, but he's also got enough wiggle for a guy that's, you know, 220, 225 pounds and got the burst to be able to get through the line and has vision. It's all there. But the thing that he does that Khalil Herbert does not do is pass protect at a very, very high level. And that is is normally what keeps rookies off the football field at the running back position. This team, Justin Fields, was under duress the entirety of the 2022 yeah. NFL season. That's why they invested in the offensive line. That's why they're so high on Roshan Johnson. And I think Roshan Johnson's going to get on the field on passing downs very early in his career. But when he starts basically giving you everything that Khalil Herbert gives you as a runner, but he can also catch the ball out of the backfield at a better clip and pass protect. I think that Herbert's going to fall behind him probably by like the first month of the season. And Roshan Johnson's going to be the one being the lead dog in a backfield that can easily lead the league in rushing. And Herbert's going to be again, effective, but in a complimentary role. Listening to Derek talk makes me want to run through a brick wall. I don't even agree with him here, and I just want to go. I just want to go out there and play. I don't know why I'm so excited, but I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go do something about it. Sorry, sorry about that. Well, hey, no, I okay. didn't even. As you began talking, I didn't even realize that he was your third running back breakout candidate. So this was perfect. I didn't even realize that until I looked at the show doc. So this was fantastic. So I think the the part that I'll ask and follow up to either side of this is. I don't think that we can expect, I don't think that we can expect Roshan Johnson to come in right away week no. one and be the starter. So right. there still does present a opportunity for smart fantasy managers to draft Khalil Herbert at RB 39 off the board. Uh, Zach Charbonnet is going off the board at RB 35 and Khalil Herbert at RB 39. I would much rather have Khalil Herbert to start the year. Is there an opportunity to draft Khalil Herbert and then in weeks one, week two, when he does really well, because he will do well in this offense with Justin Fields opening up the rushing lanes to then let's just bookmark this. Are we going to talk about Khalil <laughs> Herbert as a sell high running back in week two on our podcast here? What are your thoughts on that? You could. I mean, I, the Bears running back duo last year, Montgomery and Herbert, 330 carries. Like even if we're splitting that down the middle, like I think we can have it both ways. We can I can right. have my cake and Derek can eat it too, or however that saying goes. Like we can make. Uh, this I don't work. think that's it, but I sure. That's, that's, that sounded really cool. I like it. Where's my birthday cake? Yeah, don't think too much about it. Speaking of birthdays, I share a birthday with Roshan Johnson, so I'm not against oh, what he's doing here, and I think he's got potential. And everything you said is fine. Like there's plenty of upside. Like I said, 330 carries to split up between these two. Like okay, Deontay Foreman gets 70. Whatever. I'm not worried about him. If I think there's enough meat on the bone to take take both. If these both guys yeah. are going outside the top 35 running backs, why not hedge your bet that way? And then you can trade one of them. If you think Herbert goes off the first month and you want to get rid of him and you want to hold on to Johnson, fine. I'm with yeah. it. I'm not against it. See, that's where I, I kind of want to jump in real quick, Yates. Sorry. So um, when it comes to a best ball stack, right, we know that Alvin Kamara is going to be facing a three-game suspension. 
I love trying to stack him with Roshan Johnson. Sure. And if you or if you draft Roshan Johnson, also maybe Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams can give you that, you know, three week worth of production for Khalil Herbert on the other side, right? Because I think Herbert's gonna see a higher, you know, uh workload to start the season. So I mean, maybe pairing it with that Saints backfield in a in a best ball is something that I, I've really tried to do and target. But I, I look, you you gotta there's going to be enough for two running backs to be able to eat in this backfield. And at their draft day price, just draft the entire backfield. It's, right. you know, it's going to be something that it could pay big fantasy dividends. And if it, if it's Herbert that wins the backfield, awesome. Soppy, you take the W. If Johnson takes it in week four, then I take the W, but we all win at the current ADP. Yeah, Khalil Herbert, RB39, like I said, Roshan Johnson, RB48. So a situation, take these guys in the later, the mid to late rounds and just lock up that backfield. Deontay Foreman, I think, is RB50 off the board. And I think we're all in consensus there that it's Foreman, I think, had a role before they drafted Roshan Johnson to be that that role, to take that role here in this offense. All right, let's get into breakout tight ends. We only got one here each that you guys are going to mention, but let's get out of the running back position. Let's go into the tight end position. Who is a breakout tight end for you, Kyle Sapi? You said we only have one. That's as if there's options here. Like, I, I had a stretch <laughs> to get one. Tyler Higby for me in this Rams offense. Let's see if Matthew Stafford can bring it back. Let's see if Cooper Cup can get healthy and make this offense what it was in 2021. Higby, top 10 in routes, targets, and catches over the past two seasons. He's on the field. And if you're asking me for a sleeper tight end, like, that's kind of all I need. He's, you know, a fringe top 15 guy for me. But I think he could see enough volume in this offense if Stafford's back to what we thought he was. And, you know, Tom Brady's kind of proven that the age cliff isn't so much a concern. And there's just a lack of target competition in L.A. these days. Like, yes, Cooper Cup's going to vacuum up everything. But other than that, Higby's as good as an option as any. So if I can get five to six targets a week, like, that's enough at the freaking tight end position. Uh, Derek, what this tells me is that Kyle Sapi does not listen to the podcast episodes that he's not on, as uh, he would know that Tyler Higby was a bold take of yours. Uh, finishing, what did you say, Tyler Higby? Uh, top, six. Yeah. top six. Top six. Oh, wow. Tight end here, okay, so. my bad. I'm jumping the gun here. I haven't gotten around <laughs> to that. Podcast schedule a little full. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, Tyler Higby at value right now. I, no one wants him, but when you take an objective look at it, 108 targets last year, 72 receptions. I mean, and yeah, we talked about uh, on the podcast, Sabi, like, have you looked at his dot last year? Tyler Higgins oh, oh, it's 3.2 yeah, yards downfield. Yeah. He's a running so, back. He was a running back. I think he's going to get a little bit further uh, downfield targets this year with Matthew Stafford back and healthy. All right, Derek Tate, your breakout tight end. What do you got? You know, when I saw the the show outline and he picked Tyler Higby, I was like, <laughs> attaboy, soppy. I like it. I like it. But I'm going to go ahead and, and pivot a little bit. I, I have another tight end that I really like. And we were talking about the Denver Broncos offense. Greg Dulcich. He's finished what was it 10th in receiving yards per game at the tight end position last year and that was with a train wreck of an offense and he was battling a hamstring injury last year Greg Dulcich is they they really used him quite a bit as a receiver a move tight end which is exactly what you want at that position to try to forecast a breakout guy and I've mentioned him in a couple articles but this is the first time I'm really getting to, to talk about him on air I'm in love with the fact that Sean Payton was speaking glowingly of Greg Dulcich, mentioning him in the same breath as guys like Jeremy Shockey and more so Jimmy Graham when it comes to talking about his joker role 
in an offense. And basically the joker role in an offense for Sean Payton, if you don't speak Sean Paytonese, is just either a running back or a tight end that he tries to move around and create mismatches against opposing defenses. And he spoke as if he has the vision that Greg Dulcich could be that type of player in his offense. And if that is the case, that equals fantasy gold. Now, for those of you that are going to say, well, you know, Jerry Judy and Greg Dulcich can't break out the same season. Look back to 2019 with the New Orleans Saints, where Jared Cook finished as the tight end seven and Michael Thomas finished as the one number one receiver overall in PPR formats. There is enough room in a Sean Payton offense for a wide receiver and a tight end both to eat. But if Dulcich ends up being more featured in this offense than even Jerry Judy, there's top seven potential for Greg Dulcich in this offense. Uh, guys, I completely forgot about Jared Cook. Like, you said Jared Cook. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Uh, Another cook. We got lots of cooks. I know, right? Uh, no, I think it with Greg Dulcich, this is something, too, where the opportunity, I was kind of on the fence with Greg Dulcich this year. Now, it's the tight end position, so it does not take right. a ton for you to be able to break out and actually do things for fantasy football. But with Tim Patrick going down with his injury, and he's out for the year, and then the same day, them releasing KJ Hamler, like this dramatically opened up things for this offense. And as far as the target share and the opportunity for Greg Dulcich this year. So if you're gonna take a chance on one of these guys later on in your in your draft, and Kyle, you and I have talked about this with mock drafts and stuff like that. If you're not gonna get one of those top five, top six guys at the tight end position, wait it out and take multiple chances, multiple dart throws later on in your draft. So Dulcich, Chico Conquo, like do that stack and just wait for one of them to break out. And then if they both break out, trade one of them and get to someone who did not get one of those breakout tight ends and is going through the absolute hell that is trying to find a tight end that they can start every single week in fantasy. Quick question for both of you guys, because I seem to be the non-Bronco fan here. Are we, is Cortland Sutton like dead? I, it seems like everybody in this offense is getting hype. They think it's going to take a step forward and Sutton is being left for dead here. Like that's not to say Judy and Dulcich aren't good options. Are we just being a little quick to dismiss him, or are you guys comfortable just writing something off? He's about as dead as Hunter Renfro is in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, you put I, it you put it in my terms. I yep, now. now he now he understands. He's speaking his language. Uh, Cortland Sutton one what it, uh, I'll look the stat up, but it's like one one top twenty four wide receiver finish in his last twenty four games or something like that. I can't remember what the stat is off the top of my head. I'll look it up in a second. But Cortland Sutton has done next to nothing for the past two years. And now if we're going to be talking about him yet again, I feel I feel like there is a tendency for fantasy managers to be burned by a player, have expectations, the hype, it doesn't work out, and and they just completely write them off. And then the next year they do things, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Like this year, Elijah Moore, Gabe Davis, like Sky Moore, these are all guys on my must-have wide receivers because they didn't meet expectations in last season, but they're in really good situations this year, and their ADP has taken a dip because of it. Cortland Sutton legitimately just might be on my list of I'm not drafting this guy. Like I'm not doing this for a third year in a row where we're continuing to build him up. Last year, we bit hard on Cortland Sutton as a top 15 draft pick. Now there were a lot of factors that went into that. I truly do believe like the, the stats are there to say he can do something. The opportunity is there, but this is a guy that has burned me now for two straight years. And I just don't know if I can get past that. There's That's a lot fair. of 
there's a lot of data too that's and the reason why a lot of folks were high on Cortland Sutton is because of the data and, and trends and heat maps of Russell Wilson really preferring to push the ball outside the numbers right because he doesn't like throwing over the middle of the field a lot of some of the narrative is that you know obviously being a shorter quarterback it's a little bit tougher to see those passing lanes but Sutton has not given as Yates just said he hasn't given us enough to really feel confident I'd rather throw a dart at Marvin Mims than I would okay. with Cortland right. Sutton. Yeah. So I, until I see it with Sutton, I'm I'm no longer a believer. Cortland Sutton has finished with more than 14 half PPR points in just one of his last 24 games. That was the stat. Judy hasn't been great either. I've got him right here for under 15 fantasy points. Percentage of their games under 15 fantasy points. 83% for Judy, 80 for Sutton. Like it just hasn't been a good situation in Denver. And I, I'm just worried. I'm cautiously you know, warning not against optimistic. completely writing off. <laughs> yeah, cautiously not optimistic. There you go. <laughs> Couldn't find the words real right. quick there. But uh, j I'm just iffy about writing them off. That's all. I'm not pro Sutton by any means. I'm just worried. And I just wanted to be the voice of reason here. If, if Sutton comes back and has a monster week one, you better best believe who's cutting <laughs> this off. But uh, yeah, I don't think he's a great option. I just think we're a little quick to dismiss him. And, and I think a lot of people are in the same kind of boat that I am with Cortland Sutton this year of just like it just completely off of him because his ADP is just absolutely in the pooper. Uh, Cortland yeah. Sutton, wide receiver 47 ADP. Technical so term. Technical term. Uh, <laughs> so wide receiver 47 <laughs> ADP. So if you want to throw the dart, be my guest, but sure. I will go against my own advice and hold a little bit of a grudge against Cortland Sutton <laughs> here from a fantasy standpoint. All right, gentlemen, running back and breakout tight end or running back breakout candidates and tight end breakout candidates in the book. We got week one of the preseason right here now, starting tonight as we are recording this here on Thursday. Who is one player that you're going to be watching closely from a fantasy standpoint during week one of the preseason? A lot of questions that still need to be answered. Who is one player that you're watching closely? I want to see what Trey Lance has to offer. I mean, he's we're kind of putting him behind Brock Purdy. I, bef it was, what, eight months ago that Brock Purdy was still kind of the butt of jokes? His name's Brock. He's coming in. What's he? Oh, he's going to try to throw left-handed in this playoff game. Like, I get it. So I want to see what, if Trey Lance has any juice in him. Like, we, we fell in love with the profile, and we know that offense around him is strong. Obviously, it won't be in the preseason. But if he can show us something, maybe he pushes – Purdy, we'll see. I, I'm excited to see him, just if for no other reason we haven't seen much of him of late. I wrote up a Fantasy Players to Watch article that you can find over on ProFootballNetwork.com and uh, wrote about Trey Lance because it seems like people are completely closing this quarterback competition, and I just don't think that it's a closed door just yet. Derek, who is one player that you're watching? So outside of maybe Roshan Johnson, which obviously for, for obvious reasons, if for listening to this podcast, you get why I'm excited to see him in action. But the New York Giants wide receiver group still feels like one that's completely up up for grabs. I know Darius Slayton, uh, Sapi, you you made a, a great you know sleeper you know yes, sir. case for him. I'm really excited to see Jalen Hyatt. Okay. Jalen Hyatt to me just if, if when you're taking a look at his his some of his camp stuff and of course looking at the Tennessee offense, it's hard to like it was hard to project how he was going to go from Tennessee and that weird offensive system that they Very have good. and translate to the national football league. But the camp videos that I've seen of Jalen Hyatt, he looks like Deshaun Jackson. He's moving at a completely different speed than everybody else. That's trying to check him in coverage. And look, this offense left a lot of meat on the bone last year. If Daniel Jones actually 
begins to push the ball down the field and take those shots that Brian Dayball was able to help scheme up, there's going to be a beneficiary deep down the football field with big plays in best ball formats in particular. Darius Slayton could certainly be it. I still think he's worth a dart throw soppy, but Jalen Hyatt is somebody I really am very excited to see how he does in this preseason. I, I really like Jalen Hyatt coming out of Tennessee and no one else did (laughs) like everyone else was just ready to completely bury this guy, but he had the one calling card in this draft class to fall back on that. You could say it was elite. His speed was elite on the football field. And I think that he has more to offer than that weird Tennessee offense gave him. So uh, as far as a route runner and what he can do. So I'm I'm also in a, agreement there with you, Derek. I'm excited to watch Jalen Hyatt here this week as well. All right, gentlemen, that will do it here for running back and tight end breakout candidates. Uh, remember to jump into the PFN Fantasy Discord if you have not done so. Jump into the, uh, into the Discord here. Join the conversation. You can find the link for that here in your show description. A ton of fun being able to chat some fantasy football here with the two of you. And then, of course, if the people join in into the Discord, chat some fantasy football with them as well. All right, that'll do it. For Derek Tate and Kyle Snoppy, I'm Kyle Yates, and we'll see you next time.